Hey listeners, Michael Brandt here, co-founder of HVMN. This special episode is for all you runners out there, and especially for those of you interested in getting started running or looking to take your running to the next level. A bit about me and why I'm here talking to you. I'm no pro, I'm not in the Olympics, but I would consider myself an advanced intermediate runner. I've run about 700 miles in the last three months and recently completed the San Francisco Marathon in two hours, 55 minutes. That's about a six minute, 40 second per mile pace. I've come to love running and have learned a ton about it over the last year, both from personally practicing as well as reading, watching, and learning from the greats. Maybe you already run sometimes. Maybe you've been interested in taking up a new sport for a while now. Maybe you have a goal to run a 10K or a marathon or want to set a personal record for a single mile. Maybe you hear about runners who are completely enamored with the sport. They run every day, they run fast, they run far. But really, they're not that different from you. Let's talk about how you can achieve your own personal running success. I'll be going through 10 valuable tips that have helped me and a lot of other runners get started, stay motivated, and continue to improve our running game. Hopefully, these tips will do the same for you. Let's get to it. Tip number one, find the love. The very first question I have for you is, do you love or have you ever loved running? Think about it. Have you gone for a run where you felt powerful, fast, and strong? Where you felt great afterwards for the rest of the day? If so, then great. Let that pure primal desire pull you through the hard parts of running. If not, let's address this. This is your number one, two, and three priority before anything else. Before we set a goal or a training plan or anything else, I want you to unlock this love of running. I want you to find joy in running. If you can go for a run and feel that sense of runner's high, feel good the rest of the day, then that sense of joy can pull you through a lot of hard training. You don't want running to feel like homework. So goal number one is to find a way to love it. What I love about running is the feeling when you're on a good run and everything is clicking. You're in this state of consciousness that's halfway to being a dream. It's almost like meditation. You're almost floating and you're witnessing yourself move and you're feeling great and you don't feel like it's a conscious thing to have to move. You're just moving and it's the smoothest thing ever. And the air feels good, breathing feels good. You might be breathing hard, but you're not out of breath. You feel like a powerful animal. So let's say you haven't ever felt like this. What is one way you can unlock it? I suggest going for a 40 minute long run. Don't worry about the distance or speed. If you can't go a full 40 minutes on your first run, Try walking for part and running for other parts. Do this multiple times a week until you can go for 40 minutes straight. It doesn't need to be fast. The point is to be able to be going for a while, past the first 20 to 30 minutes where your body is warming up and adapting and finding its rhythm. You need to get past that wall to get to a point where you start feeling the runner's high and feel great running. Tip two, set a goal. It's a great idea to put a goal on the calendar, something you can work towards. Here are some general parameters. First of all, give yourself 12 to 18 weeks. Don't sign up for something next weekend or even next month. Professional marathoners usually only race twice a year. It takes time to prepare. On the flip side, give yourself a goal that you can hit in 12 to 18 weeks. If you're not much of a runner, maybe your goal is just to complete a 10K. If you're already athletic, maybe you play a lot of soccer or basketball or whatever, maybe you can set a certain time goal for a 10K or target a longer race like a half marathon or a marathon. One little side tip that I like to do is set down my goal as the name for my iPhone alarm during training. So every day when the alarm goes off and I wake up to turn it off, I'm reminded exactly what I'm running for. As important as it is to find a love for running, it's also important to set objective goals and work hard towards them. Tip three, training plans. Find a good training plan. I'm not going to go into detail on all the types of plans, but I'll give some guidelines. The first is do your research online, compare plans, 
and find a plan that meets your level and your goals and stick to it. At a high level, most plans will have you doing a blend. You'll go on some runs that are longer and slower than your race pace, and you'll go on some runs that are shorter and faster than your race pace. Make sure to do recovery. When your plan says to take an easy day or a day off, do it. You aren't being tough by going hard seven days a week. No real runner does that. Most days are medium or low intensity. One or two per week will be hard. Let's talk about cross-training. It's helpful to an extent to spend time doing things besides running, but I do encourage runners to really focus on running. One mistake is that some runners use their rest days to train in a different way than running. Your rest days aren't supposed to be days you go to the gym and lift or go on a massive bike ride. Use cross-training as a replacement for runs if you're feeling injuries coming on. And if you really need to bike or swim or whatever because you love it, try to do it on a day where you're already doing a medium or hard running workout. Again, let your running days be days where you can fully recover. As you get more advanced, incorporate running drills into your plan. These drills should be done specifically to improve your running technique and form. One drill, called the cadence drill, involves counting the number of times your feet hit the ground in 30 seconds as you run. A good goal is to run at 180 steps per minute, regardless of your speed. Keeping your steps quick like this ensures that no single step is hard, and this is an efficient way to run. With the heels coming down exactly at the tempo. So you can practice it with the toes on the ground and the heels moving, and then move into a run. Tip four, technique. It's a fact that inexperienced runners get injured more than experienced ones, despite the fact that experienced runners cover much more distance, and the types of injuries tend to be different as well. The explanation is that running actually involves a fair bit of technique. You'd think that running would be natural for humans, given our primal roots. It's partly true, we have it in our nature, but a sedentary lifestyle causes our natural technique and muscles to atrophy, or decrease due to not using them. And we need to be reprogrammed and trained into competent runners. One mistake beginners make is trying too hard, trying to go faster by pushing harder on your runs. Running isn't a power game, it's an efficiency game. You need to figure out how to relax everything that isn't being used for forward propulsion. Try this on your next run. When you hit your cruising speed that you can hold on to for a while, instead of trying to go faster, try to go the same speed but with less effort. This general approach, doing more with less, will do wonders for your technique. I recommend looking closely at your technique and having other, more advanced runners give you an assessment. I also recommend the book Chi Running. That's C-H-I. They also have a YouTube channel and some great videos on running technique. The general idea is to keep your cadence, the number of times your foot hits the ground per minute, high, even if you're going slowly. So you're not putting a ton of force into each step. Rather, you're spreading it out. There's a lot more too, about leaning forward, relaxing your shoulders and face, activating your core, and more. Tip five, who to run with. Should you run solo or with other people? The answer is both. Running with other people is a great way to get the ball rolling and inject energy into your runs. It's motivating and the accountability is helpful. If you run with the right people, they will push you more than you would on your own. Many cities have runners group meetups hosted by running stores or other community groups. Sometimes they'll meet up at local tracks and track practice is great for your technique, great for getting a real sense of your speed and conditioning and can be a lot of fun. That said, running alone is also powerful and super important to practice. Part of what's great about running is you can just do it alone. As much as it can help motivate you to run with other people, it can also do the opposite. For example, when your running partner takes the day off, it can chip away at your motivation to run that day. 
When you're solo, you don't have to coordinate with other people's schedules, preferences, etc. You're in complete control of everything. You can go the exact distance and pace you need to go, which can be important when you have specific training goals. The correct answer to running solo versus with other people is do both. Running is a solitary sport by nature, but there's benefit to running with friends as well. Tip six, nutrition and supplementation. Typically, you have to eat before your run about 30 to 60 minutes ahead of time. It's best to have some easily digestible carbohydrates like a banana or a granola bar. More advanced runners sometimes like to run fasted without any food to improve your body's ability to tap into your fat stores for fuel and make you a more metabolically flexible human being. But for peak performance on hard workouts or race day, you need to eat ahead of time. You might also want to take a look at HVMN ketone, which you take in addition to your normal pre-workout food and can have a significant effect on your stamina. As far as hydration, we all know it's super important. The key thing here is that hydration isn't just about drinking water right before you go for a run. You need to be drinking throughout the day. Giving your body a repository of water to hold onto takes time and you can't cram it in right before a run. Drink throughout the day and keep your pee light yellow. If you're having cramps when you run, it's likely caused by dehydration, so focus on this. After your run, try to eat within 30 minutes. Don't wait for your next meal. It's super helpful to give your body nutrition to uptake right away while it's in the post-exercise state. Have 200 to 300 calories of carbs and proteins in about a four to one ratio. A glass of milk is great for this. As far as supplements, omega-3 is great for reducing inflammation if you take it daily, and it's also good for overall health. Caffeine is also an effective tool. It can help you get in the right mood to go for a run and put a little extra pep in your step. I really recommend using it on race days. If you're used to having a lot of caffeine, I recommend avoiding it for a few days ahead of a race so that you regain some sensitivity and it works really well for you. Tip seven, gear. Don't be stingy about shoes. Invest in good shoes. The way I think about it is if you're gonna sail across the ocean, invest in a nice boat. Shoe choice can be very personal. Personally, I like lightweight shoes that have some support, but not too much. Too much support can mess with your alignment and can encourage bad habits that hurt you down the road. I recommend a shoe store that has a generous return policy where you can take your shoes out for a couple of runs and return them if necessary. As you're working on your technique, also work on finding the right shoes that work for you. I also recommend having a couple different pairs of shoes in rotation. Some shoes will be better for long runs, others will be better for speed work. Switching it up also causes you to build more robust muscles that aren't overly dependent on a single shoe type. You don't have to go crazy on the nicest gear either. You don't need special shirts or pants or anything like that to get started. Use what you have. Get yourself nicer gear as a reward for hitting certain goals and it will help motivate you. My suggestion is get to a point where having purpose-built running shorts actually makes a difference and then get them, not the other way around. Tip eight, when and where to run. Prioritize running in the morning. It's the only way to make sure it gets done. There's no chance you get stuck late at work, no chance your stomach feels weird because of something you ate at lunch, no chance you're out of energy from a long day. If you're able to reliably run later in the day, more power to you. But if you're serious about running and looking for a suggestion from me, I say run first thing in the day. As far as where to run, the ideal path is one with no intersections or stoplights, somewhere you can just run uninterrupted. One advantage of running early in the day is the streets are clear, so it's easier to run through intersections if you can't avoid them. Look for a path that's uninterrupted, but also convenient to get to. Treadmills are okay. I would suggest getting outside to run if you can. It's a better overall experience, but treadmills can be very convenient and an efficient method for logging in the miles, and a treadmill run is definitely better than no run at all. 
Tip nine, technology. I recommend getting a smartwatch at some point. Maybe this is one of those things you earn once you log your first 100 mile month. You don't have to get it right away, but it can be very helpful. One of the coolest features of a smartwatch is it can tell you your speed. It's neat to be able to look at your wrist and know you're running an eight minute mile. This can be motivating and it helps hold you accountable. It's also good for recovery slash easy days to make sure you don't go too fast. Another helpful aspect of a smartwatch is the heart rate monitor. You can also get the chest strap to get a higher fidelity reading. Training off of heart rate is helpful because a lot of training programs have you spending time at different heart rate zones. To one person, an eight minute mile is a stretch. To someone else, it's super easy. So it's helpful to go off of heart rate. You can always use a normal timer and your fingers to count your pulse, but a heart rate monitor is a little bit more convenient. Many smartwatches or phones will also help you count your cadence. Again, you can do this manually, but technology can be helpful. For more on heart rate, specifically heart rate variability, check out episode 71 of this podcast featuring Jason Moore from Elite HRV. Yeah, and so coming back to what you were saying about optimal and suboptimal yeah. is that um, you know, when you're exercising and you're going hard, you actually don't necessarily want a high degree of variability. Right. So an HRV, a higher HRV is normally seen as better, but it's not necessarily all the, always the case depending on what you're doing. And so um, there's a lot of interest between uh, HRV in exercise and HRV at rest and other various activities. So uh, optimal depends on the context of when you're measuring the values as well. Yeah. Finally, with all this talk about technology, I actually recommend running without music. Running has its own rhythm to it, and music can get in the way. It can be a helpful crutch, so if it works for you, then go for it. But many advanced runners go without music because it's easier to get in the zone and really focus. Tip 10. Embrace the pain. If you're going to run, you're going to feel some pain. For some people, this is a big sticking point, but I hope you realize the importance of pain. I'm not talking about injury. I hope you never get injured. I'm talking about the pain of pushing yourself beyond your limits, going faster when your body wants to go slower. This is where growth happens. This is where you become a better runner and a tougher person overall. Relish the pain. Being able to confront and overcome it is one of the most deeply satisfying elements of running. A mile to go, and the Central Park crowds are astounded to see three men still fighting for the lead after 25 miles. On to Central Park South, it's Turgata Ramala with Kofleski just off the back. The pace is taken up a few notches. Kofleski is dropped, but neither Turgata Ramala will give an inch. The world will now be treated to one of the most extraordinary finishing duels in all of sport. Look, I've felt pain when I'm sitting on my couch doing nothing, feeling depressed and upset, not knowing what to do. Maybe some of you can relate. I can tell you that pain feels a lot worse than the pain of the hardest run. When you run hard, you're pushing weakness out of your body and you're becoming the best version of yourself. It's a pain where on the other side, you feel twice as good. It's addicting when you get used to it, like spicy food or dark chocolate. Run from your gut. Run to a point where you're feeling weak and inferior. Push past it, conquer your demons. Not everyone has the gall to confront themselves like that. And as a runner, you're able to stare the devil in the eye and push past. There's nothing like it. And you'll see the mentality carry over into the rest of your life in amazing and positive ways. Runners of all levels, from the most fresh to the most seasoned, share some of the same struggles and go through the same hardships. Goals will be accomplished, routines will become stale, lifelong friends will be made, and good habits will wane. These are all part of the process, and it's up to you to keep yourself on track. If you can capture and retain the motivation to run, you can do the same for all aspects of your life. Go forth, run, and maybe find a bit of yourself in the process. There we have it, listeners. If you found this episode informative and enjoyable, please send us a note to podcast at hvmn.com. 
Let us know what other things you'd like us to do this type of episode on. We appreciate all the feedback and support. Until next time, stay safe, train hard, and dig deep.